Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late. The train's Shut up! You're here! And good thing, because we've got lots of work. It's Employee of the Month with Katie Lazarus, the talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus, and I'm excited to bring you this episode with Sarah Treem, who is the Golden Globe winning um, creator and showrunner of this Showtime drama, The Affair. Um, she's been nominated and won numerous awards, Humanitas and Emmys. She's written for In Treatment, which was on HBO, as well as House of Cards, and of course um, is also known as a phenomenal playwright. Most recently, she had a play with Cherry Jones um, that was directed by Pam McKinnon called When We Were Young and Unafraid, and that was um, at Playwrights Horizons. And it was just really exciting to be able to speak with her about managing a staff and what that's like and having to, um, the loneliness of it. (laughs) So having all your dreams come true and all of the positives, um, but all the challenges. For those of you who have not watched The Affair, what I will say about it is it does three things really well. One is it has sort of a unique perspective in that it jumps around a lot if you like mysteries or if you um, feel like you want to really get to know characters as part of a series um, this has that approach to it. And um, the part that I like the most is that uh, everyone's guilty. <laughs> and they all look accessible, which we spoke about as well. So without further ado, here's my interview with the one and only Sarah Treem. Did you ever aspire to act or be in, in the front of the camera? Um, I had, a, I had a, a brief moment when I wanted to act when I was you know in high school. Uh, and then I have this like very specific memory of being in college and taking an acting class in college. And they had everybody walking around in a circle uh, of chairs. And then you had to um, sit down in your chair when like the music stopped. I mean, the way I remember it, it was actually musical chairs. It might not have been. But, um, but you had to sit down in your chair when the music stopped. But you had to pretend like you thought your chair was like three or four inches higher than it was. You know, so you had to sort of fall, like, you know, be surprised and fall into your chair. And I could not do it. Like, for the life of me, I was like, I know where that fucking chair is. Like, I know exactly, you know, how I I, I can't pretend that. And I just had this moment where I was like, I'm never, ever going to be an actor. Yeah. Um, I found acting actually very stressful. Like, I think. Yeah. I think the idea of, um, I think some people just love it. You know, they kind of love sort of slipping into somebody else's character and kind of, you know, pretending and see what seeing what comes but um I think as a writer like the writer actors I think that's quite a accomplishment actually because I think you're so as a writer you're so into control basically yes and as an actor I really think you need to kind of let go of control and just see what comes and I was never able to do the the latter yeah real good at the former but what about um, meetings? So I find like um, the writing is is easy for me, or not easy. It's painful. I don't mean it that it's easy. No, I, I love writing, but yeah, I don't. I don't think but writing I, has to be painful. But I love it exactly, yeah. and 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 also I can accept criticism. I can, you know, I'm like, yeah. how can I make it better? I don't take it personally. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm so, I'm built for it. Mm-hmm. And I would say the same for um, interviewing people on stage, which you can call being a performer more than I would say an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with auditions for acting. If someone said, you know, you're not blonde and mm-hmm. you have inner thighs, which mm-hmm. I know, <laughs> uh. 
it somehow would, you know, take it quite personally. Um, I wanted to know for pitching and being in pitch meetings and um, whether it was for your plays or for TV shows, does that right. feel different to you? Yeah. yeah, that I think is a learned skill. Okay, and what is that skill? Um, yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, and I was not very good at it for a long time, and I'm still not great at it. Um, and, and actually, the, the way that I sold the affair was by writing it on spec first. Okay. So I didn't have to really pitch it. Like you could, I, I think I would have had a hard time pitching that show. Even though you'd been, you know, up for it, up and won. You know, you had Emmys and Humanitas and. Well, I definitely um, think that people are more. Writers Guild Awards. You know, they, they're more generous with your pitch once you have like a body of work behind you. So that helps too. Um, but I think that pitching is about being able to think like basically an executive, you know, think basically sort of figure out how to sell a product um, and kind of try to take your like artistic soul out of it for a second, you know, and, and look at it as a product. Um, and some people are great at pitching. A lot of a lot of very successful people in Hollywood are really, really good at pitching and actually not so good at executing. No, it's incredible. Not it's so like good at writing. it's remarkable how many people I know have so much money and like nothing to show for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the pitch is the merely because they can pitch is their talent. Yeah. yeah. Um, How much is about seduction? Yeah, I think it probably is a lot about seduction. I mean, I think everybody has a brand, you know, and so even when you're a writer, you should know your own brand. My What's brand your brand? Tends to be very smart. <laughs> okay. My, you know, my brand kinds of tends to be some, you know, sort of somewhat like girl intellect. Um, uh, and I've never personally been good at being like um, sexy, you uh-huh. know. So in the way that in the stereotypical sense, in, of right? It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I have a sex appeal that has to do with you know intelligence, but uh, but like the, Terry Gross right now is listening, and she's yeah, a she's hot just flash. loving this. She's totally <laughs> loving this. But um, just from the overexcitement. But I had to get comfortable at a certain point, um, and this is the, the, like this is why I, I love having grown older, just getting comfortable with. Um, with sort of leaning you know to towards what i was good at which was basically thought you know thought-based conversations and leaning sort of away just give sort of giving up on this idea of um of trying to kind of like seduce somebody with either sex appeal or with this idea that i was somehow selling myself yes you know like i was never there's a lot of there's a lot of people in hollywood there's a lot of girls in hollywood who are very good at sort of selling themselves as their own brand you know their their whole package is their brand there so so their characters are going to look like they look their characters are going to you know right. sort of talk like they talk um and i mean my i don't i i may be deluding myself but i don't actually think that that's my uh, strategy, you know, like my characters, some of them talk like I talk, but you know, for the most part, they don't actually. Um, uh, so I don't know. I, I think what I was trying to do, you know, it had a sort of moment where I was like trying to do the kind of like, um, I'm going to be this like hot it girl thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I was just, I mean, I like you know, just crashed and burned so badly that I had to say, take, kind of take a couple steps back and be like, you know what? Screw it. Are there certain rituals? I know there's no formula to it, but I was just curious. Are there certain rituals or, or things that you make sure you get across? Do you say, okay, I'm going to go in with three points? or? Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have a very elaborate sense of what you, how you should pitch a show. I mean, I, I personally would say write the thing first, like mm-hmm. have the um, – because I think if you, if, you have the, um, if you have the pilot document, it's a lot easier to talk about. But I think that um, 
you should know what your show's about, you know, so you should basically know the theme. You should know kind of like what is the central question that your show is basically going to try to answer. And it better be such a big question that it's going to take forever to answer it. You know, it has to be sort of an existential question. Like, like a real, the affair. Yes, right, exactly. Um, I think you should you should have your characters laid out. I think you should know how to talk about each of them, so, you know, enough so people can really get them. Uh, I think you should talk about what the, uh, what each, what, beyond the pilot, what is each episode going to look like? Like, basically, what is the format of the episode? You know, how does an episode work? Like, what is the machinery of the episode? I think you need to be able to tell people that. And I think you need to be able to pitch with 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 enough detail your first season that, you know, people can... Like, pe- that's what people expect at this point, that you're actually going to have a first season pretty much laid out. Um, and then you should have an idea for subsequent seasons. So, I mean, a pitch is a lot of work. Like, I don't yes. mean to undersell it. Like, I think, to, you know, you, you better be, I think you have to be very prepared yeah. to pitch a TV show at this point. Unless you yourself are so, you know, incredibly charismatic that you are just pitching yourself, which is a right. different story. Right. Um, I'm, we're going to jump around a little bit, but I, I, I do want to start with the affair um, because it's what you're best known for, as I um, hope that you feel good about in addition to your plays. And we'll talk about your plays as well. I feel great about it. I love that show. Um, you should be really proud of yourself for creating um, complex people and being able to show differences in socioeconomic subtleties, Mm -hmm. I find, um, that I think sometimes shows about um, what I'm calling a a milieu that sort of, it's not clear whether they're middle class or upper middle class, um, can sometimes feel like, God, those lives look really beautiful and really perfect. And the characters um, all seem to manage to have beauty but still be accessible or maybe their beauty feels even more beautiful to me because they seem like people I would know. Uh-huh. Um, I wanted to hear from you before before the show and, at, and now that you're in your third season, what were your feelings about affairs before you started mm-hmm. the show and now in hindsight? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's like, it's, it, this show has been sort of extraordinary because I, I um, developed the pitch for the show before when I was single, when I was like in my real early 30s, or maybe had just turned 30, and I um, developed it with this guy, Hagai Levy, who had created In Treatment in, in Israel, B.T. Pool. How do you feel about that? Uh, having developed it with a guy. <laughs> no, I was because In Treatment's about oh, a therapist. Right. <laughs> yeah. right, exactly. Yeah, so he... Um, Go he's, on. He's wonderful. He's a genius. Uh, and we had we had worked really well together on In Treatment, so after In Treatment was over, he was like, why don't we do something else together? And so we came up with this idea. Um but I was, you know, I was single. I had no children. Like, it was all a bit of a, um, in a way, I think it was, uh, I, I think I would not have been able to develop the show with the same non-judgment uh, that I sort of pride the show on had I already been married with kids. So I think, you know, being, having not had, had that experience yet allowed me to be, you know, to 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 not judge any of the characters um, in a way that I think, has made the show what it is. So since then, I've I've gotten married and had two children, um, and you know the stakes. I don't I don't know that I would say the stakes for me are kind of higher about the show now, but the the um, the fragility um, of relationships um, is much clearer to me now than it was when I started the show and the kind of extraordinary balancing act that everybody's doing all the time in order to just make these lives work um, is very acute to me at this point. Uh, 
And I don't know that I would have basically had the balls um, at this point right now to write those characters. Uh, or would you have the wisdom? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd say that the that I guess I'm, I'm asking, you know, how, how much do you think the personal experience of understanding that marriage means waking up yeah. and choosing to be with someone when you least want to be with them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the asexuality of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how much do you think that would resonate before when you were single and it hadn't been married? It doesn't resonate. Yeah, it really, it was, it, was, it was totally unknown to me. You know, I think marriage is one of these things that's very difficult uh, it's a very difficult thing to describe. You know, you, as you say, you sort of live it. Um, like it's an on, it's an it's an active action, basically being married all the time. Um, and it's a little bit anathema to narrative, right? Because because uh, it's it's not, you know, hopefully in your marriages, it's not like there's not a beginning, middle, and an end. Yes, um, or plot driven. Or right, or hopefully they're not that plot driven, right? The, the most effective marriages or the most successful marriages, I think, are somewhat boring, um, and so that's not dramatic, you know. But um, has it made you a better spouse? I think so. I mean, I think this idea of, of um, well, you'd have to ask my husband actually, but uh, has it made him a better spouse? Do you feel? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that I think it's changed him, you know. Um, but this idea of uh, everything. I have to remind myself that in my own marriage that that all that we're both telling our own narratives all the time. You know, it's real easy to write that and to be very clever about it, but when you're in the middle of your own heartbreak or fight, you know, you forget that somebody else is having a completely different experience than you are because yours is so real. So um, it seems central to the affair because you both chronologically skip around yeah. and also have four and in season 3 five main characters. Yes. Um, that you're sort of playing with the Heisenberg effect, I'll call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very uh, much so, yeah. Um, you know, where two people are having the same experience from totally different perspectives. And while that doesn't, in essence, matter, meaning you're still having those experiences, um, what does that feel like? Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I think is the, is the crazy paradox of the whole thing, is even if you intellectually understand that your experience is incredibly subjective and somebody else, you know, could see the whole situation as radically different, it does not change the experience, which is so visceral and primal to you um, and, you know, very painful. So, uh, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. It, it, again, it's kind of one thing to write a narrative um, where you can kind of take a couple steps back and look at the whole thing from a sort of omnipotent perspective and and be very smart about it and then it's another thing to sort of live in the characters and I think you know as a writer your job is to kind of do that dance you know to sometimes kind of abandon yourself to the characters feelings um, and see where they take you right and then pull yourself back out and kind of look at the big picture put yourself in somebody else's character like I, I think that what I had always said when I was teaching theater, teaching drama, um, playwriting, is that... Um, Where were you teaching? I taught at Yale for a couple of years. I've never heard of that school. Yeah. I hope it does okay. I hope it does well. Yeah, it's because I graduated from drama school there, so I just taught some... Again, know. I've never heard of that institution, <laughs> but... Yeah, um. yeah it's a little, little, little known drama school. Um, but I, what I had said is, like, you know, figure out what it is because of going back to what you started with was the idea of fear. Like, figure out basically what you're essentially afraid of. Figure out what your personal anxiety is um and what is yours yeah I, I i it's hard to 
it's hard to specify, but it has something to do with um, gender relationships. Mm -hmm. Like it has something to do with what I feel is a, um, what, what I feel is that men and women are basically living kind of parallel narratives that differ in insanely sometimes. Um, and it's specifically in a marriage, what you're, you're sort of trying to do all the time is kind of communicate with your spouse and be understood and, and, and understand them and be understood yourself. And I think that love is basically that, you know, that, that, that people fall in love when they feel seen and when they think they see somebody else, right? And, and that's, and that, that's why people fall in love, you know, and, and that, that there's a lot of, in sort of like the early blush of relationships, sexual union, all that stuff, that feels like it happens a lot. Um, but the truth is, I think that, you know, people are basically living kind of, you know, in, in very isolated lives all the time. Um, and so that's what they talk about, be, you know, being very lonely in marriage. But I think that part of the reason that it's quite hard to sort of get on the same page is that, you know, men and women are also essentially living these very different narratives um, and uh, and not... Uh, Sometimes I think feel like a woman's narrative is like a hidden narrative, um, you know, and from herself or, or well, hopefully not from herself, but sometimes from herself, but definitely from the world, because you know? they're m mainly written from a male perspective. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a whole, there's a whole, um, like you, you, you know, even like dramatic structure, right? This is a very, is a kind of a linear. The way that we teach dramatic structure, the way we understand dramatic structure, where there's an inciting incident and there's a rising action and there's a catastrophe and a climax and a falling action. It's like the male lost. orgasm, and it, it should is. be circular right, exactly. and happen multiple times. Yes, right. So no, so and that's, only feature Ryan Gosling. <laughs> exactly. So that's what I feel like I've been struggling with sort of my whole career is like to take these this narrative that I feel like does not fit in that structure and to but but I but but I d so desperately want to communicate it that I try to write it in that structure and it's uh, it's I'm constantly in conflict about it. So I so you say like you said like well what is your question? It's it's not the question itself. I I don't know if I could just kind of give you like a you know quotes around it, but it's something to do with that um kind of constant conflict that I feel um, I guess my life as like a female writer a woman writer is uh, is is um, I'm obsessed with it um, so that that really was the sort of essence of the affair right is to basically tell one story from a female narrative and a male narrative and to show you well and four Yes. Well, the, initially it was just supposed to be two. I see. And then in the second season, we kind of broadened out, and then and then it became a much more you know kind of uh, prismatic uh, structure. But what I say to, to 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 students is like figure out what it is that you're terrified of, and then um, and then are, you know articulate it to yourself as best you can. Um, ask yourself the question, you know, like what is this? What is this thing? Why am I so obsessed with it? And then and then dramatize it from multiple perspectives. You know, if you can figure out, like, you know, what is the question, then put somebody on one side of it, somebody on another side, somebody on another side, somebody on another side, then put them all in a situation together and try not to let them leave. Like, figure out a re reason they can't leave. And that's where I think drama starts to come from. You know, surprising, yeah. you know, and that's, and that's when you start to learn things that you didn't even know you thought in the conversations between your characters. That's a great segue to my next question, also the only segue. Um, you switch from being a writer. You were a writer on s several critically acclaimed shows um, in treatment we talked about, which is about therapy and um, House of Cards, mm -hmm. to being a showrunner. Where and how do you learn how to manage? <laughs> it's sort of like asking how do you learn to parent when you've no, never you really, done it before. Yeah, basically, it's exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I actually think that the system that we sort of 
have in Hollywood of like writers all of a sudden sort of like leaping to show running is absurd. I mean, it's you're you're so badly prepared for it. I, I I ended up having to to contact a management consultant, you know, and say like I don't know what I'm doing. I need some help um, because I've been writing in my room <laughs> for 20 years, Completely. whatever, you know, and. Uh, and that is not the same thing as being in charge of, you know, $40, $50 million and 150 to 200 people. No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it is a lot like parenting. It's, you know, it's trial and error. And I think it's, oh, I'm sorry, and I think it's particularly hard in entertainment because you're dealing with so many people who have such outsized egos, you know, and that's part of the reason they're really good at what they do. Um, is that part of the reason? I don't believe that, but is that part of the reason? Uh, why, why is me being an asshole going to make me necessarily better as I, a listen, poet? I, I don't think everybody's an asshole. You know, and I think there's some people that we, we work with who are absolutely not assholes. Um, sometimes I think that, uh, that you've got to be really gutsy. You have to be mm-hmm. really gutsy, very ballsy to do what we do. You know, it be, whether you're an actor or a director or a writer or whatever, you really got to, like, you know, put your heart on the line. And if you're, in order to do that, with that kind of confidence that I, I really do think you need to have, in or, especially in TV, which moves so quickly and where you don't really get to deliberate about choices. You know, you just got to like, yes. you got to bring yourself to it. You got to do it. You got to rise to the challenges. You know, in order to do that and not be an asshole, you have to be a very self-aware person. You know, I think yeah. being an asshole helps people kind of, you know, uh, overcome that, you know, sort of jump that hurdle or whatever that they, that they need to do in order to sort of get the work done on a... Um, you know, kind of superior level. Well, it's but, a system that rewards kicking and screaming, is what I would say. Yeah, it does. That's yeah. that's I, I what think, I think. I think as it comes a showrunner, I think you should not be an asshole. My feeling is yeah. like the, that the best showrunners are absolutely not assholes. They have a way in which they allow the people beneath them to be assholes, and and it does not. Uh, it doesn't derail the ship. Yeah. But I think that the person, I mean, the person in charge sets the tone, um, and. Uh, you know, and I think when a show works very successfully, it works because whoever is in charge has figured out how to get the best uh, work out of everybody that that works for them. And you can't really do that if you're an asshole. So did you hire someone to sort of, you know, oversee the production so that you could – like, how do you divide your – I know that you can't say, like, I'm just going to write on Monday and not answer these huge <laughs> right, emails yeah. that are coming to me no, about budget. No, you fucking multitask. That's yeah. what you do. You know, you learn to, like, write in small chunks. You okay. Know? And now, especially – I got really good at that when my second child was born. Because I was like, I am writing in like fifteen minute increments right now. This is insane, you know, between yes. her like uh, between her feeds and stuff. So um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg spoke about that. That she, you know, she, when she had yeah, kids, motherhood trains you real well. Yeah, and she also had uh, um, an incredible husband who who really yeah. partnered and really um, picked up the yes, slack. Yes, absolutely. I really um, think that if you're going to do this, your your partner has got to get on board. Yeah. I got to get a partner. I got to get kids. There's so many things that I'm <laughs> learning from though. this conversation. I don't know. I'm so ju- <laughs> I, I was I was talking to this girl who's tw- you know, just 20. She was 27, and it was so you know so fascinating oh, to beautiful. see her because she was so on that kind of like, uh, you know, she's like comparing herself to Lena Dunham and Rachel Bloom, and like you know she hadn't done enough. She wasn't getting anywhere, and I was like so jealous of her. You know, yes. like she she was a 27 year old assistant, and I was like enjoy this. You know, I was yes. like shaking her. I was Absolutely. Like, Please God, like you know these next four or five however more years it is until you have your big break or whatever please just enjoy the enjoy it for me you know right you don't have any 
like my whole life is scheduled down to the minute <laughs> at this point, you know, like I have to plan to relax. I was not allowed to pee for three minutes. It was two. And they said, you know what? You're going to have to clean up the rest as right. you walk over to the next meeting. <laughs> um, I, I I always believe that people have as much sex in a marriage as they do when they're single. I don't know why I have this theory because it's mm. not true. But 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 there's a, a certain truth to it in that like. Highly sexual, sexual people. Sexual yes, that's yeah. exactly what I meant. And obviously, it'll it'll change over your life, and and yeah. not just within a day or a month or a year, but yeah. within one's lifespan. But um, I am really jealous of your characters because they have so much sex, mm-hmm. and my friends who are married will always look at me being like, "You must be going out every single night." Uh-huh. And I'm like, "No, no, I'm also your age." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Choose to be, oh man, I'm trying to balance work and all of these other things. Um, is that Typical of a lot of couples, though, to have quite as much sex as these people do? Everyone seems to be bopping. Probably not. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is a television show, so we may be upping that ante just a little bit. It was, or are you just placating me right, right now because I showed my stripes? I don't know. I don't, I, don't I, don't, I don't think people have as much sex as they're having on the affair. Um, in, I mean, certainly not with four children. That That's insane how much sex those two are having. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe... Be- that's how they got four children, yeah, right? So. Yeah, I think what we had tried to do at the beginning of the show it was very deliberately was say that these were two marriages that were functional, that were working pretty well. Yeah. Um, we didn't want it to be like, oh, this person is in a loveless, sexless marriage, and so obviously they're going to cheat. Like, that was not the idea. The idea was that that people cheat in relationships not because the relationship has become dysfunctional or unsatisfying, but because they themselves are unsatisfied Yes. or dysfunctional. What do you do when, you know, there's sort of a, a seductive element to having actors to write for and they can be mm-hmm. amused unconsciously. Um, what do you do when the honeymoon period wears off? With the actors? With the actors or even just the character, meaning that your own love affair with this sort of novel character. Yeah. Um, or, yeah, maybe, you know, spend enough time with an actor that they may feel the way that an old friend and um, a spouse or lover does and that they're not as... Um, exciting yeah it's inter- that's a really good question I I don't I have I, I may be rare in this but I don't believe that character that like the deep dive into character ends I actually think character gets more expansive the farther down you get yeah um and so I haven't you know I uh, to be totally frank like I think I feel like we have just scratched the surface with these four characters in our third season like you'll see that this season it is a very deep dive into Noah's psyche and it's past um but we haven't really done that we've you know we've shown you a little bit about where these characters come from their parents whatever but we haven't really gotten that far into their psyches you know a lot of their a lot of the drama has been really situational heretofore yeah so um so the question the answer is I don't quite know yet you know, I haven't quite gotten into the end of any of these characters. Um, you haven't. Assume, you haven't gotten bored yet. I haven't gotten bored yet. But I assume if I did, you would bring in some new characters. You know, that's not illegal. How much? <laughs> um, how much do you know? I, because you have Overmeyer and Anya Epstein. You have all these people who have worked on other kinds of shows. Uh-huh. Um, I'm thinking in treatment mm-hmm. and and also The Wire. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious. And now there are criminal elements, mm-hmm. um, you know, that are overlapping into this. And obviously, there are certainly. Um, I would say at least therapeutic elements in mm-hmm. terms of probing mm-hmm. people's psyches. Um, how how much do your writers bring in from um, them from their background versus what was already set before they come onto the playground? Oh, that's also a really good question. Um, I mean, they bring a ton. 
Uh, and I think that, um, you know, I, I, I've definitely had writers get upset with me, actually, on this show because um, cause I think they're being asked to bring so much of themselves um, and to kind of um, bear their souls in the writer's room, you know, and then they felt like I hadn't taken um, appropriate care of their feelings. Meaning what? That that they said all these things and then you asked, you know, then when they wrote them down and then you said, you know what, I'm going to cut all of these things yeah. and make it a little different. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, uh, or just, you know, hadn't, uh, I guess, been empathetic enough, you know, in the room itself, you know, trying to kind of keep the story moving on or, you know, making sort of spur of the moment decisions or, I mean, I, I don't know that any of it was necessarily... Um, Rational, I think it's emotional because I'm asking people to get pretty vulnerable in the room, um, and so I again sort of back to that like management strategy. I, even even just in the in the six people in my writers' room, I had to really sort of learn some interesting managerial techniques. And I had this very funny moment actually where I took out um, Cindy Holland, who's the um, head of Netflix, mm -hmm. you know? and I was like, man, this woman is managing the hell out of that company, you know. And I was like, talk to me, you know, like, what do you? Tell me how to do this, and and so she gave me she gave me this is again why I was sort of went back to the egos and everything like she gave me this whole strategy. What um, was the strategy? It was very smart. She said that um, she said that uh, um, in on uh, that that there's basically they and who knows if this is actually true within the company, but what she said was that they she does not tolerate sort of infighting or backstabbing, at Netflix. So um, and how does she um, you know and demonstrably well right so that's the question that. how do you do that yeah. um and so she basically said like if she hears that like you know um executives you know are having problems with each other or there's some sort of disagreement or somebody's saying nasty things about somebody else she calls them both into her office and she's like we're going to work this out together in front of me and then i don't want to hear about it again um and so it's everything everything if you're going to say something behind somebody's back you got to say it to their face and you have to say it in front of me so it's all this kind of like out there in the open out there in the open and i thought oh man that is brilliant i'm going to do that and so I had this moment in the writer's room where I had left for a little while, and by the time I got back, two writers were just screaming at each other. I mean, they were really sort of diametrically opposed, you know, in terms of who they were, and then also in terms of, like, how they felt about this particular dynamic, which I don't even remember what it was. Did you bring point. in Esther Perel, the sex therapist, to, like, she, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> be their couples therapist? She's been unemployed. Where is Esther right now? Um, <laughs> But I brought them into, I, I, I had this whole thing where I was like, okay, we're going to you know, break for 10 minutes and then you're going to come into my office and we're going to work this out in front of me. And, and it was such a disaster. It, it, it just backfired completely. Like, you know, one, one person started crying, the other person stormed out. And I was like, oh God, what did I do wrong? You know, and then it occurred to me that I'm not dealing with, I'm not dealing with executives. I'm dealing with artists, you know, and the thing to do, it's to deal with, with artists is a very different, um, it's just different. So yeah, that didn't work. You um, um, so you're now managing people who you used to work for, and then at the same time, you've been a writer. So I have sort of two different questions. Mm -hmm. One is, is it lonely becoming a boss? Yeah, yeah it really is. Yeah. Um, I had said to my husband last year, I was like, I feel like everybody, maybe it was this year, I was like, I just feel like everybody else is having fun. And he was like, yeah, they are. <laughs> like, that's the, that's the point. Everybody else is supposed to have fun. You're the one who doesn't. I feel that way on my fun. show too. Yeah. It's really hard. You have to sort of keep it sacred. And like, it's also that role of the, you know, the stereotypical dad gets to have fun with the kids and the mom is the taskmaster. Yeah. And, like, and you got to get comfortable with people just hating you. I mean, honestly, you know, you just have to get comfortable with like being the bad guy. Yeah. Um, and not personalizing it. 
yeah, and it's hard. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, it's it it it's hard sometimes on the set because like the actors will not like the way a scene's written or something like that, and I'm not there. And I've just basically said to the writers on set, like, you can just throw me under the bus. You know, if 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 we're getting to a place where we can't make the scene work, just say like, you know, I don't like it either, but Sarah likes it. Um, and and they've done that, you know, and then everybody gets mad at me. Um, but also my name's on the show. You know, that's that's the thing that you have to kind of keep reminding yourself is like, yeah, you get a lot of the shit, but you also get a lot of the glory. What are the so. things that as a writer you hated? As a writer in other people's shows? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it, I, I think having been on other people's shows, you know, and uh, and being sort of miserable, like having to sometimes execute a vision that I didn't believe in, you know, has taught me that uh, that's how other people are feeling in my room sometimes, you know? And what I try to say to, I try to say that to everybody at the beginning and be like, I know you're all uber talented and I know that you will all, you all could or will one day run your own shows and I'm grateful for your time on mine. Um, you know, while we're here, we're gonna do it my way at the end of the day. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to, uh, I'm gonna listen to, um, to everybody's ideas and we'll have the discussion, but then at a certain point, we're just gonna do it the way that I decide and we're gonna move on. And, uh, and you know, when you all go and run your own shows, like you can, you, you can do it your way. Um, so for the most part, I mean, I, I have a lot of adults on my writer staff. Like that's the thing I would say is that my, the, you know, I do have a lot of people who I have, not a lot, but I've had. Even though they're playwrights. Yeah, even <laughs> though they're playwrights, exactly. But they're older than I am for the most part, um, you know, and I have worked for at least one of them before. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they, they're grownups. And what about. Actually, two of them. I've worked with two of them, yeah. Who were those two? Uh, I worked for Anya Epstein and I worked for Stu Zickerman. Okay. And where, where was Stu? Anya was at In Treatment. Anya was at In Treatment. Stu, I like, was an intern on his, uh, his show Six Degrees like, uh -huh. a long time ago. And David Henry Wang yes, was my mentor yeah. Yeah, for years. And so, yeah, there's, a, I mean, and Eric, who, who was just on the first season, taught me at Yale. O Overmeyer? Overmeyer, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of people on my staff that I've basically been um, in an inferior position to in the past. Have you had to turn down anyone you either worked for and got a job for um, and, you know, was looking for work and needed a job and you didn't think was a good fit? I have I have had to turn down old teachers, which was not hard. I mean, which was not fun. You said not hard. I, I was like, it was not hard and not fun. And what about firing? Um, firing. I'm real bad at firing people. I actually had a... Um, Me three. I had a conversation with another showrunner friend um who was like oh yeah i fired like 17 people like you just got to start you know rip the band-aid off and just oh, do it i can't uh i can't I, it's I, hard i can't do it i mean i definitely have um not asked people back yeah um but to actually like midstream just say get out of my writer's room i've actually never been able to do that I think the hardest part also is wanting to mentor people in the way that they deserve to be mentored. I have and made the time. that mistake. I, I, I have the time that that takes, the time that that requires. Well, Anya actually said something to me this year, which was I thought was really fascinating. She was totally right. She was like, you put your personal politics ahead of what was actually happening in this situation, and that was a mistake. Um, and what she meant by that was that I was trying to mentor a younger woman 
uh, and I wanted totally her totally something I would do. Yeah, and I wanted her to basically take on more responsibility than she was ready for, and I kind of insisted on it, and then she let me down. Uh, and I've done that a couple times actually with younger women. I mean, I've also I've also had some younger women who have been sort of extraordinary and have you know risen leaps and bounds above what I expected of them. So it's not I'm not saying anything about young women, but just um, that I do you know sometimes think that. Like my desire for young women to succeed, especially if I think of them as you know kind of at, outspoken and um, uh, feminist, you know, uh, has some sometimes does cloud my my judgment of actually who's earning the promotion at that moment. It's really challenging, I will say, and I've been on both sides of that coin mm -hmm. where too much has been asked. Ultimately, it's our loss. Like, we want everyone who we hire to succeed because right. it's exhausting to go through the process of, of hiring <laughs> of and teaching. Yeah, I mean, right. it's like, you know, it's, it, we have every incentive in the world, but the re reality is you also just don't have logistically the time. I, I, I mean, yeah. time is not in your favor. Yeah, and and what I think that I, um, what I think I, what I, what I can attribute my success to is, um, is not necessarily talent, but actually just re resilience um, and like uh, the ability to sort of like get up and do it again and uh, and show up, you know, and not freak out. Uh, you know, I mean, I have definitely had my freak out moments. I still have them, but um, but just like get the work done, sort of no matter what. And so, I am so disappointed when people don't do that. Yes, you know, I I, I feel like betrayed in a way that's kind of inappropriate um but not everybody you know a has that in them or b wants it you know it's like you have to be a little bit crazy to um you know sort of want to uh do this at all costs. on the flip side like i, I everything every bone in my body goes into work. I'm someone who never thought that work was supposed to be nine to five. Yeah. You know, I'm happy to work every day, expect to work every day, and to see um, how often I don't get chances and someone else does. Yeah. Um, and I'm generalizing, but I'm going <laughs> to for white males, you know, peers. And now that I'm older, you know, y younger women, it is really frustrating. Yeah. And so I, I think that that's okay just to get better at figuring out, like, who are these people? Because like you said, you have six people in your writing room. Yeah. You know, it's not a lot of people. It's not a lot of people, no. So why not go for the people who you feel are going to really knock it out of the park? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes that's a little bit, you know, again, like kind of going back to your original question about pitching, like sometimes the people that you think are going to knock it out of the park – you know, are not the ones. Like, it's, you know, people, I, I really do think that the people who are, you know, kind of geniuses are usually quieter about it. Yes. Um, you know, they just sort of know it. And yes. like, if you figure it out, good for you. And if you don't figure out, like, your loss. Um, right. But then, so you, I think your, your job as a boss is to get a little bit more savvy and not just take the person who kind of comes in the shiniest. The shiny apple. Yeah. But yeah, two questions. One is, like, is it possible to have um, passionate sex uh, with the same person you're going to want to marry and have as your partner, since marriage is like a business partner? I mean, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I haven't been married that long. so. But you've been doing this show and you're on your third season. Yes, I know. Um, I mean, I was I, asking more more from your writing. For the writing. Um, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know. These characters still seem pretty hot for each other. Um, like, you know, this th we have. There's a lot of sex in the third season. Um, some between new partners, a lot between old partners. Um, I don't know. I think like adversity definitely breeds good sex, 
Um, so maybe if you've been through what these characters have been through, then you are going to be blessed with yeah. a lifetime of good sex because you've been through so much shit. Well, never get rid of Maura Tierney. I love her. <laughs> um, and I, I also notice that you play with sex and the question of sensual sex and erotic sex and love yeah. and fucking. And um, there are questions of when is this rape versus um, just really rough sex. And yeah. I, I love all of that. And I also love that... Um, no one is guilty and no one is innocent yep. or they're all guilty and they're all innocent. Right. Um, so I want to thank you for building these characters. And I can see that playwriting, I imagine, is a lot of fun to do because you don't have to manage anyone when you're doing that or at least fewer people. No, you really don't. They don't even want you. You know, I, I, I had this experience like a couple years ago now, I guess, where I was, it was, we were doing the first season of The Affair and I was also doing this play at MTC. And so I was trying to kind of go back and forth, which was a disaster. But um, was this when we were young and unafraid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you know, you when you're show with Cherry Jones. Yes, she's amazing. But when you're show writing, like every single question, you know, goes to you. I mean, to the to the point where you don't, you know, you don't want the questions going to you anymore, but they're still going to you because um, everything has to get kind of filtered through your vision. And then I would like so I'd you know do that, and then I'd run over to MTC and I'd try to you know I'd just sort of like walk into a production meeting, and they were like, "What is the playwright doing here?" You know, they would, yes. they'd all sort of stare at me, like, why is she here? Um, so, yeah, you know, playwriting is like just like kind of this radically different world, um, which is, yeah, it is incredibly refreshing. But um, but then also it must be infuriating because you don't get to pick who the actors are and you do, who are playing your words, who are saying your words or how they say your words. I mean, you definitely have input. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, and I think it also depends on, like, how, um, you know, successful of a playwright you are. Like, I'm not at that kind of top tier uh, of the sort of American playwrights in my generation. So I feel like some of them might have more input than I do. But um, who, are, who are those lucky folks? Uh, let's see. Annie Baker. Yes. Amy Herzog. Um, just thinking of the girls at this point. I have a friend named Anai Guerrera, who's, I think, a genius, who's, who's definitely up there now. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think if you have, like, kind of a control freak personality, which I definitely do, TV, TV may be the way to go. You know, because it just feeds that. It's like, it, you know, as soon as you, if you're bored for a second, there's like something else to make a decision about. Um, Good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that there's a place for type A yeah, people yeah, because yeah. it's funny because you're typically selling to betas, uh, people <laughs> yeah. who, are, who are willing to give up their evenings and, and sit your, at home. watch your show, I know. Yeah. Um, well, I, I really enjoy the affair. Um, and it certainly has turned me off from having them, but but no, I, I never. <laughs> no, it really does, right? It makes you think like I, this I never is was, just not worth it. Yes, I never found them, you know, alluring or attractive. But I don't think anyone does. I don't think anyone who goes into them is is. I think the thing that people don't understand about affairs is that they're usually incredibly stressful. Yes. You know, they're not. I think they're just really stressful. Yeah, even when even with Dominique West. Even with Dominique West, right? Especially if you love your spouse. I mean. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I love your show. Thank you so, so Thank much, you Sarah so Dream. Much. Thank you. That's it for this episode. Showtime is um, airing its third season of The Affair. And I hope you enjoy the show and continue to check out Sarah Dream's work. Thanks so much. Thank you to Alex Seiner for editing this together and to all of you for listening. And do check out our live shows and go to the Employee of the Month Show.com's website. That's Employee of the Month Show.com's website to check out more. But Zadie Smith, Adam McKay, Edie Falco, John Turturro, all these phenomenal people coming up. So make sure to stay tuned to the podcast. And if you enjoy it, please leave a uh, nice recommendation on uh, the iTunes. All right. Have a good one.